Listener Production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Nick Connellan, Broadsheet's Publications Director and the co-host of this brief guide to Melbourne. We're in summer programming mode still, which means revisiting some of our favourite episodes of 2023. Now, please don't make the same mistake I did and listen to this one on an empty stomach. It's a conversation between our editorial director, Kutcher Vuktal, and cheese whisperer, Anthony Femia, the man behind Paran Market's Maker and Munger. At the time, which was September, Barata was in the news after a very influential magazine called A Boring. Anthony had some thoughts on that and also gave us a rundown of his favourite cheeses right now. And let me tell you, I felt some feelings hearing him talk about these cheeses in such intimate graphic detail. Have a listen for yourself. Before we get into Maker and Munger and yourself, there's been somewhat of a cheese controversy going on in the media recently. And the fact that you're here today, we can't we can't not talk about it. So there was a story on New York Magazine's Grub Street, their food vertical, recently, and the headline was a big fat blob of boring. The subhead was it's time to cool it with all these balls of burrata. The writer argued that burrata itself is not bad, but it's predictable. And she kind of talked about it in the same vein as, you know, a very nice house bread with butter or a raw bar tower and the fact that burrata's become serviceable but unsurprising. I'm guessing you've got some thoughts oh, on this. Plenty of thoughts on this. Look, in a way, there's certain parts of that argument that are right. Uh, like that TikTok phenomenon of the texture of burrata. That there, yeah, that is getting boring because people are putting it on things that burrata shouldn't go on and they just want that ooze factor for the likes. And So what's something it shouldn't go on? It shouldn't go on the middle of a pizza because then that becomes, who wants soggy bottom pizza? Even how hungover you are or on a date to impress, soggy bottom pizzas, when you try and lift it, it just goes everywhere. So for me, you think about what's in a burrata. It's this pure, delicious cream. You've got chopped up mozzarella and then you've got that encasing of mozzarella. And if it's fresh, like if it's air freighted from Puglia of Italy or if it's made from people like Floridia or that Samore and you're getting it within a week of make, you get sweetness, you get texture, not just that ooze. So roasted veggies like beetroots right now, aged balsamic vinegar, a little bit of salt and a burrata is magical because that texture lifts and also the fat masks certain bitterness of your veggies. It brings out the sweetness of the beetroot, the sweetness of the balsamic, and it, it just works in harmony. And for me, like even in uh, winter with citrus fruits, fennel, little fennel uh, prongs, parsley, they lift burrata, and I love it. Like I, if I have a house party, I'll, I'll cut the burrata in the kitchen because I don't want people to focus on that wow factor of the ooze. It's about the wow factor of flavor. So for you, the idea that big fat blob of boring is absolutely untrue. Untrue. Like, look, step away from burrata and tomato. Like, let's move on from caprese salads. Like, I see it happen all year round. Do it in summer. Do it late summer when the heirloom tomatoes kick in. Like, at the moment, with the way our weather patterns are going, late January right through to March, April, tomatoes are perfect. Forget the hydroponics in winter because they're powdery. So yeah, big blob boring there, but that's when you use that big blob of deliciousness 
with your other veggies, your sweet potato, like caramelizing sweet potatoes and chorizo in an oven and then cracking open a burrata on top of that is, like I want to use swear words, but you can't. It's amazing. You can if you want. It's like F-bomb amazing. Like it's delicious. Mm -hmm. And burrata, like even just the interior, taking that and just mixing that through a risotto at the end. So just doing like a seafood risotto with prawns. You can do saffron if you like, or you can do fennel pollen. And instead of finishing it with butter and parmesan to do your little whip like that, to bind everything, do your butter and burrata instead. And then pull out like a Riesling or a, a Suave from the north of Italy. Any of those type of acidic, delicious saline style of wines just lift the magic of the sweetness of burrata. Like, well, if yeah. if burrata needs a lobbyist, yeah, I'll tell them to come to you. Hundred percent. That is incredibly convincing. Like every three weeks, we get our air freight from Italy, and and we love nothing better than to crack open a container and eat it like an apple. And we put it on our Instagram and, and we always have a chef come past at that time. And, and we love doing that. Like we love going, hey, eat this like an apple. And they're like, oh, it's going to drip everywhere. It's like, no, this is delicious. Now that's a great segue because. Delicious. Now that's a great segue because the cabinet, the cabinet at Maker and Munger is filled with cheeses that are the best local mm-hmm. cheeses, but also you are doing a lot of air freighting in from France and Italy. Yeah. What's in your cheese cabinet right now? that you're really excited about? Oh, it's like picking a favourite child if I had. <laughs> I'll let you pick right, three. Yeah, okay, three. Right now there's this Pont Levesque. So Pont Levesque's a traditional wash rind cheese from Normandy. Uh, so Pont Levesque means Old Bridge. And it was made during the, um, uh, the medieval ages uh, from monks. And what this one is, why it's so special, it's, it's been macerated in milk to remove the rinds. And then they dunk it in Calvados, which is the apple brandy of that region of Normandy, and then breadcrumbed. And that cheese, when baked, so 150 degrees at about 10, 15 minutes, crisps up all that bread, all that crumbs into this crunchy texture. And then you've got this cheese, it's not oozing, it's just melted softly. And Pont Levesque being a wash rind, it's meaty, beef broth, umami flavors. The rind has dissipated through the maceration and the milk, so there's no bitterness. So it's all like if that's your tongue, it's all middle flavor. And then you've got the front of your tongue, Calvados sweetness, and then the crunch. And then you just do that. Like I've seen customers send me photos of putting that on the middle of their plate, doing all their little veggies around it, and then using that like a little fondue. Like that is phenomenal. Other cheese that's exciting at the moment is the Tomofleur because it's winter. People want more savory flavors. That's a French cheese? Yeah. So it's a semi-hard or alpine cheese made in Germany and all these different cheesemongers from around France that have that red, white and blue collar, the moth, they buy it super young. They take it back to their maturation facility and they put their version of different alpine flowers and herbs on it. And the one that we get from Loire Valley from Rodolphe Lemonnier, who's a moth, he puts majority fenugreek on there. So you get that Moorish fenugreek flavor plus the alpine sweet nutty flavors and it's like eating a steak. Like, so for vegetarians who don't mind a little bit of animal rennet in their cheese or uh, go go for that as your steak option, it's stunning. Or even just shaving it on steak. Like Gary's, I've got a great relationship with Gary's meats. Like we barter. So I win because I get dry aged steak. He thinks he wins because he gets epic cheeses, but I really win. And I hope he doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, but I love to shave that. Tom Fleur on the steak when I flipped it, let it melt through and the flavor is just like, 
I love big umami. Like I, I need that. When you're tasting cheese every day, you need that mid-palate fat and umami sensation to know, okay, that's bloody exciting. And then the third product I've got, it's not a cheese, it's the cream, that cream pus from Normandy. It's that 48% fat cream fraiche. I spend quite a bit of time in Cran Market. I spend <laughs> quite a bit of time hovering around Maker and Munger. Yeah. Now this is this is the one that I tasted with you. This is a, a life changing cream. Yeah. So normal cream fraiche that you get from Italy, uh, so from from France, it's around that sort of twenty eight percent fat mark, and it feels quite light on the palate. This one is that first skimming of that rich Normandy cow milk, and it's essentially forty eight to fifty two percent fat. And it's uh, 18 degree cultured for three days with indigenous cultures, which just adds that beautiful bacteria and acidity to the cream. So it feels light. It doesn't coat the tongue. It's not like thickened cream or double cream here that's had added gum or um, uh, gelatine to it to give you that film on the tongue. It's just super clean. It's so good. And it's taken Melbourne's chefs by storm. Like Gimlet uses it on their tarts and in their seafood dishes. Rain LaRue, who just opened, they're now using that with their caviar and also as their little quenelle next to their chocolate tart, and it's just mind-boggling good. Like we, we did it at our fondue night the other night with meringues. Uh, so if you ever go to the town of Gruyere in Switzerland, which is like a medieval town like Siena in Italy where it's got that beautiful um, brick wall sort of encasing, you go to the cafe and they just literally bring you out meringues plain and a tub of cream of pass and you just go to town and we did that fondue night and everybody just i think half the people love that more than the the fondue and i was like fondue's fondue but yeah cream's good anthony's just given you all the (laughs) easiest but most impressive dessert for any dinner party that you are having it i I, you're much better at describing the, the dairy <laughs> than I am, but this thing was pretty special and I'm a cream fan. This was something I didn't stop thinking about yeah, for was, some time afterwards. Like, there's no bitterness on the back of the palate, so you know that that cream has been transported perfectly. Like if there's been no shattering of the fat particles to create those bitter characters, it wasn't off, it's not oxidised, it's just cream heaven. Cream heaven. Cream heaven.